Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Yemriyahu Yvette Bracha, Bas Yohavit Kiryat Batsara. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am very happy to have on today's show Rebbitzin Fagi Horowitz. Rebbitzin Fagi is a writer, political advocate, and nonprofit veteran who serves as a Rebbitzin of August Ahim of Lawrence, New York. She is the co-founder of JWOW, Jewish Women of Wisdom, a community of Orthodox midlife women. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Okay, so you already know that I live in Lawrence. I am a Rebbitzin. By my husband's position of being a rabbi, I am a writer. I have, um, no, I should really first say my my personal qualifications. I'm a Rebbitzin. I am a wife and mother of three, grandmother of many. Wow. Professionally, I'm a content writer. I do government relations for a home care firm. And I've been a career counselor, a grant writer, an executive director in senior management, professional in several nonprofits, some Jewish, some not. Um, they include Med Council, the Crown Heights JCC, High Lifeline, the Flatbush Haitian Center. Um, I'm also a columnist in several publications um, in the greater tri-state area, um, most of them Orthodox. I am also a co-founder together with my husband of our shul here in Lawrence. I am a co-founder together with several friends almost 20 years ago of Rachel's Place, which is a shelter for girls who cannot and should not live at home, located in Brooklyn. We are the producers of that famous production, which everyone knows us for, but doesn't really know what the proceeds go for. And it's been helping individual young women, 16 and older, to move on with their lives and become productive Jewish citizens. Um, I'm also a founder of JWOW, which is a community, like you said, for Orthodox midlifers, which we began about two and a half years ago, together with some friends. Um, I guess I can claim the title activist, and I'm going to go into that briefly because that's connected to our topic today. Great. So I have always been involved on the lay level, besides the professional Jewish communal service, I have been involved in many organizations on the lay leadership as a board member. For example, I've been an almost 25-year board member of McCord Disabilities, which cares for individuals with special needs in Brooklyn. I am a board member of a fairly new organization called Anila Dodi, which is an intimacy referral hotline, which helps women access answers to their personal questions. I have been involved with the Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services on a local and city-wide level. I have been involved with the joint. Um, I have been involved with the at-risk community in various roles and the underserved communities of Bukharian Jewish Queens. Um, and so, And I have been involved with Sister to Sister, the Organization for Divorced Women, Samchenu, the one the, for widows, um, ICATCH, which is an organization for individuals who have anxiety, founded by a pioneer in my community of the five towns in Farakway. And some I am more active in, 
some I was more active in, depending on the need in the organization, my location, and what else is going on in the in the organization. Is it at the beginning, middle, crisis, etc.? So um, that gives you a little bit of my personal background, and I hope I answered your question. Yes, that was amazing. That was a very comprehensive answer. And actually based on, I mean, I can't believe that you've done so many wonderful, wonderful things for so many people. I'm sure they've benefited from all your help and your expertise. And I just want to ask you from all the organizations that you mentioned, is there one, not organization, but is there one cause, particular cause that you feel particularly passionate about? Well, talk about passion. I, I think my energy comes from need and timing. It's not about my particular passion. It, I, I feel a sense of responsibility. And if I am approached or if I see something, I get involved. I've been called passionate about my work for home care. And I think it comes from people's perception of sustained, honest um, communication and prodigious energy. I don't feel particularly passionate about any of these causes. I think very few of them touched my life personally. So it's not about me. It's about need and being in the right place where I could do something or accomplish something or someone approached me for help. Beautiful. Very, very nice. And so well, I know there's something that you are passionate about is actual activism. You are passionate about activism. And this is such an interesting topic that resonates with many of our listeners. So I want to see if today you can please talk to us about the different areas of activism that many from, that many observant women are involved in, and also share with us what activism really looks like in reality for a from woman. Good question. Um, I think there are some traditional women's areas of activism, such as Bikr Cholim, Mikvah, um, Shuls, Shidduchim, um, their um, children, special needs children, learning issues. I don't think they're exclusively women's issues, but traditionally, many women have been connected to those kinds of activities and volunteered or were, took prof uh, you know, professional roles. Um, then there are general Jewish areas of activism. Some of them have to do with outreach. Some of them have to do with um, um, the political needs of, of a community or the education issues that are confronting us or zoning issues or anti-Semitism. So you have the, and I'll use two terms. There's the generalist nonprofits and there are the boutique nonprofits and causes. Some are general, some are national organizations. There's a woman who told me when she was a high school girl and she got um, newsletters and guides from Benosa Godis Yisrael in the 60s, she vowed when she would be an adult, she would give back because she felt she was a lone girl uh, running Benos groups in Los Angeles in the 60s. And she ultimately took on a role of training doulas and health issues within Nishaya Gurdis Yisrael. So um, um, there are 
general groups, general causes, there are particular causes that motivate us and interest us, and organizations that reflect both, both the particularist and the generalist domains. Beautiful, right? So people can get really involved in, in whichever type, whichever genre of organization, whichever genre of cause that they feel most passionate about, they, that they feel most compelled to, to participate in. Agreed. Now, you asked me about what activism really looks like for a from woman. Yes. And um, maybe the word activism sounds political, but it's really, to me, part of being a member of Claudius Yisrael. Being a member of Klai Yisrael is not just about my avodas Hashem, my doing mitzvot, and my personal growth. It's about being active for Yidin and for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Activism doesn't necessarily mean becoming an activist. It's about activism, about being active for Jews and for Hashem. It's about thinking and doing for Yidin, both as a tibur, as a collective community, and about being active and doing things for an individual. So very often people ask me, it's like a very trendy thing, which annoys me a little bit, but I will put it right out there. What inspired you? And it sounds like from the questioner, there was instant inspiration. All of a sudden I encountered something and I took it upon myself to do something. That happens sometimes. But I, I think action comes from a personal commitment to values of being a Torah Yid and feeling a responsibility to do something for other Yidin and to, to because one feels connected, one feels like family. I'm not saying that sometimes there's an individual um, happening or situation that you become aware of and that pushes you to do something, but it's not like this light bulb moment or this massive encounter. I'll give you an example of something like that. Um, the founding of Rachel's Place. Several of us encountered a young woman who had been housing and taking into her basement apartment girls who could not and should not live at home. Some of them were children of a lawyer for the Agency for Child Welfare in the state in the city of New York. I mean, it was a crazy situation. We helped her out. We gave her money. We gave her linen. We gave her, we tried to help her get beds. But we told her, you do not have to take in all these kids. It is a community responsibility. And we we took the time to examine what we could do um, um, to help out. There were more kids. We Once we got to know her and those girls, we found out about other kids other girls who may have been clients of a social service organization um, but and whose social worker knew she was sleeping on a park bench. Um, but we felt as a community, we need to do something. And we were women who knew her. So we explored and it took us a couple of years to really formulate, at, to buy a place, open the shelter. We explored, we knew there were numbers. Later on, I did an official study uh, connected with the role I played then at a major nonprofit on how many kids there were, whatever. But the point is 
that we we were determined to do something. We explored options. We looked at what was um, what was needed. We called in people involved in the field. What's needed more, A or B? And we went with B. And then you know it was it was a long long process, but we did it, and we finally opened. People said, you know, you don't have money. It doesn't matter. Open, and the money will flow. And that's really what happened. So, like I said. Action, we were a group of middle-aged and single women of different ages. One was a great grandmother already. One was in her late twenties, um, but it's about doing chesed and, and action are not about necessarily um, giving to a particular class of people, people who are poor, people who are disadvantaged, people who are disabled, but we're one family. And when we feel that way, we act when a yid or yidina, so to speak, is in pain or is difficult. I think one more point. Um, I think at this point in our recent history, we are under attack. We, there's no question that sticking up for other Jews in this current environment of anti-Semitism, media bias, abuse of Holocaust terms, um, BDS and of course the woke culture, not only on campus, but in organizations that many of us are, are professionally related, connected to. For example, I'm a member of the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. <laughs> there was an issue. We spoke up. We spoke up and they made an effort. It's ongoing to be, to be um, more inclusive and not anti-Jewish. We were kind of lot. We felt, <laughs> and and it was very obvious that we were pushed out. So protecting right now, America the beautiful is not so beautiful for people with Torah values and who live committed Jewish lives. So protecting our communities, I think, and speaking up and doing, not always in a public way. Activism is not necessarily public. It's action. It's doing. Um, so. I think I think is very important, and that's really what made me choose this topic. Even though I've been active in various things for for almost thirty years, probably, but these are unique times, and perhaps our feelings, which drive our acts and our voices, might need to have a broader focus right now. Uh, per, we are under siege, and I, I just want to share that just like what motivates us is our Torah values, is our connection to other Jews, what needs to guide us is Torah values. And, and, and sometimes we have a question, should I come out very strongly? How should I phrase my tone on social media about a particular thing? Um, I find a particular capital to Hillen very, very useful. The uh, one forty four le David Baruch Hashem Tzuri Hamlamed Yadai Lakrav Etzbaosai LaMilchama. David is talking about God who trains him in warfare, and it continues. You know, Hashem, you're my my shield. Blah blah blah. But and all a little bit about the enemies and what you should do to them. Broke Baruch Usvitzem, scatter them. Shlachitzecha Usumem, confuse them with your with your arrows. But the next piece in the very same 
in the very same um, chapter of Tehillim moves to our families from save me from strangers and from non-Jews who speak falsely right then there's a transition to our families our children are like um, um, plantings that we cultivated from their youth our our daughters are like cornerstones crafted in like like palaces. The point is we put effort into our families. We put effort into our children. Maybe when we are we we take up a public um action, let's say a letter to the editor, um, um speaking up in certain groups, uh, whether it's Twitter or professional groups or whatever it is. We need to have Hashem with us and we need to be aware it's not about our agenda, it's about our our community, our intact values that we want to keep intact and our children who 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 we've invested so much effort in. So I, I just want to say that activism today may be a little different than activism years ago. Um because of the current outside climate, but we maintain our values. Values drive us, values sustain us, values protect us. It's so beautifully said. And I, I love what you said. It's not about us, not about our agenda. I want, you want, this is our own personal preference or feelings. It's not about that. And I love that you, I love that you pointed that out because it's really about being values driven. It's about what does Hashem give to us in our Torah? What are our Jewish values as a community and as a whole? And like you said, we're, we're, we're all one family. Jews are all one family. So when you help someone, when you help another Jew, even if you don't know that particular Jew, that's still a member of your collective family, which is so, so important to remember when you're doing this type of work. So true. I remember when I was hired by a large Manhattan citywide nonprofit and my, my office was on the 15th floor. And I had previously run a local Jewish organization in Crown Heights. And if somebody really wanted to, they could push past the secretary, go to the back offices and find me and tell me their tale or what was on their mind. But believe it or not, on the 15th floor, people found me. I was worried about the disconnect. I was going to be supervising a lot of groups and involved with broader issues and a lot of administrative and government work. But it's about the individual thing. And the individual person. So I did have people find me, and that kind of connect kept the dots connected to the managerial and administrative responsibilities that I had. Beautiful. I love that. I love that you pointed that out. Thank you. Um, so I know our listeners are, were really smart women with many areas of expertise and many passions that they would like to pursue, but they might not know where to start. So I want to ask you what advice you would give to women who would like to start an initiative or become actively involved in a campaign for a cause that they really believe in, but they just don't know where to begin. Okay. Um, firstly, I want to say that instant activism or is instant askanis does not exist. For every true community doer whose name you see in the papers, there are many, many individual men and women uh, um, performing small acts of 
and helping prior initiatives for individuals and for local needs that never make it into the public eye. We could paraphrase Tip O'Neill, who said about politics, all politics is local. We can say all Askanis, all activism is local. That's point number one. No one who is really, just to, to make it succinct, no one who is really there in their activism is going to ignore the local need just to go for the big showy national organizational um, um, spotlight. Another point is, like we said earlier, our activities for Klai Yisrael have to be driven by altruism, by L'Shem Shamayim. It cannot be about seeing ourselves as the newest thought leader or social entrepreneur. It's not about building a brand. It's not about marketing ourselves. I mean, I have had people say straight out to me. I'm looking to be a board member of a nonprofit. He's very prominent in, 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 in academia, but he thought it would burnish his image. Um, he found his place. He's doing a lot for the community as well as um, his academic role. But that's you know, to look good on a resume is not a reason to get involved for a yid. Um, also, an enterprise or an area of activism is not something you own. You're one of many. You're a soldier in Hashem's army. It's not about you. And therefore, a person, I think, has to examine their motives with great honesty. Even if it takes pen and paper, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what's motivating me? What do I feel I wanna do now? Where's the need? What are my particular strengths and connections? What moves me? What can I uniquely contribute? Will this fit my current priorities? Is this the right time for me to get involved? What does Hashem want from me now? Um, I was sitting, just to give you an example, um, um, about 10 years ago, I was sitting next to someone at a wedding. It was a second wedding of somebody in the community who had traveled a journey to Yiddishkeit and was remarrying. So it was a polyglot group at our table. And one of the famous Rebbitsons, who was actually on your on your podcast said to the young woman who must have been in her 30s then so what do you do and she said oh i'm not a a, a public person like my family members are i am not in the public eye i'm just a rank and file member of claudius row um um several years later she met me and she told me she joined the Hebra Kadisha in her community in her low 40s. That's not a typical thing to do, but she was the same person with the same values. She could do it then, but she said, I don't want anyone knowing it's between me and Hashem. Wow. The Hebra Kadisha in her community, even though it was a very established Jewish community, needed people. She found out about it from a neighbor or, where, or maybe, I don't know. But the point is, she was no longer just a rank and file member of Klal Yisrael. She was doing something for the her broader community, but it was between her and Hashem. It wasn't about um, 
publicity or leadership in the public eye. It was about doing community work as an individual. The small C of community is no less important than the big C of community. I think another thing to think about is, and someone reminded me of this recently, is who else is doing this in my local community, in the broader Jewish community? Am I replicating something that's already out there? Can I learn from the national groups? Can they give me technical assistance? They, some people have started. Who can they connect me with? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the person reminded me in, because I think I met her at a Samcheno event. She said, I wrote an article many, many years ago in one of the Jewish women's magazines about not automatically starting an organization if you lose a family member. Like Le'ili Nishmas is not necessarily point one and starting a, a group or an organization, an effort at Staka point two. It's a bigger deal. There's legalities, there's 501c3 status. Uh, think it through. Are other people doing the same thing? And even if you could do it better, smarter, faster, more efficiently, think it over. I think your point to how do women get involved, I don't think it's such a, a, a big challenge. I think people see their neighbors, people see their friends, people see the people in the community with a problem and they want to step forward. I operate, I'll give you a personal example within the last year. When we moved to Lawrence 15 years ago, there was no local women's Friday night mikvah. And women walked either to Cedarhurst or to Far Rockaway. When we opened our own shul seven years later, and we were no longer hired by a community um, synagogue, we had the room and someone alerted us, you know, maybe you would want to do this. So we did, money was raised by the community, the basement was dug out, the People contributed time, expertise, de uh, decorating um, know-how. And we had our original volunteers. They were trained. Then fast forward a couple of years later, it's, it's toward the end of COVID. And the first generation of volunteers needed to be supplemented. This one got sick. That one made Aliyah. The other had other things going on. So, so I let people know that um, we were looking for new volunteers. I let people know in different age groups and it filtered out one, two, three. I got people to step forward. One woman said, she's a great grandmother. She says, I want to give back because women were there when I was of childbearing age and using the mikvah. Um, one woman who's a college teacher, I thought she would know people. She jumped right in. She's a college teacher, both decade, uh, has many, many professional and roles in the Jewish community and in personal matters. And she said, I'll do it. Um, then there were women of a certain age who with a strong sense of social responsibility um, from a particular congregation, not ours. And I knew I would see them at a particular function. I told them, by the way, if you know somebody, let's get the word out. I told my husband, I'm going to, going to this wedding. Women from that congregation are going to step forward. And sure enough, 
I had three women right there. All it took was two sentences and they jumped right in. Amazing. One of them said, you want to, to, to the other there, you want to do it with me? My point is when you hear about a need, you step forward. You, you, your neighbor's kid is autistic and, and doesn't have uh, afternoon activities on Sunday. So maybe you'll jump forward and help. Orthodox people live near other Orthodox people. Women are tuned in to helping other women. It's not a problem. We see the need firsthand. I'll give you an organizational, um, um, for instance, um, at Rachel's place, we also have a connected organization that does adult serious Jewish learning in Flatbush called Chachmas Nashim West. It's modeled on, 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 on a lecture series and learning series based on text in Yerushalayim that's very popularly attended. So that was begun. Uh, we moved into um, teaching, helping someone who's teaching, who's training teachers to learn Ikre Amuna, the basics of Yiddishkeit and why we practice in the Jewish high schools, because that's prevention, right? That's preventing girls from floundering and losing their faith as they struggle with their personal problems. Yes. So fine, we develop Chachmas Nashim, we develop Kivunim, uh, uh, and got involved with that. And one of our board members has a daughter who is highly functioning special needs. And she's been in Israel studying at a place that is appropriate for her. She's in the second year, but she wants to continue learning on her level. Um, so we hope to open in fall of 2023, a seminary for special needs girls, highly functioning. There is such a thing already in the Brooklyn community. It's basically Hasidish girls. Um, um, but there is no place for this young woman and she wants to learn. So we are expanding. We saw need. We are helping women learn Torah inside on a very high level. We help girls indirectly through, through helping the woman that trains the teachers to teach basics at an early and developmental level. And we will also help members of the high functioning special needs community, young women specifically to learn with a formal program starting next year. So um, we stepped in. Now, another thing, another thing to, that answers your question about what women who want to get involved should think about is what do I expect to get out of this? Do I want a platform? Do I want to promote my brand? Like I said before, do I want to build my resume? Do I want to get clicks? Do I want to get to speak on podcasts? Do, how And how much is about marketing and how much is about the actual cause? Do I want to do the actual work or do I just want to promote it? Did I put into place a rabbinic authority to whom I can ask my shilas. How many, how much time can I give? Is my spouse on board? And another thing is, you know, as from women at different ages and stages, we have 
different priorities and time commitments. Those of us who have kids when they're school age don't have as much time. Um, as kids leave the home and we become empty nesters like the population So I was saying that Jewish women have different priorities at different times of their lives, whether it's family, whether it's children or elderly parents. Um, so something to think about is how much time can I give and how much, and is my spouse on board? And how much is this about my self-expression as an energetic wom woman? Is this about giving to others or is this about my personal self expression. And I will say that as one becomes involved, one's skill set grows, one's team playing skills uh, grow, <laughs> one's leadership skills become enhanced. Um, um, you know, if you are it, move into the leadership role, one needs to be a servant leader, you know, serving the people who are doing doing the work or the people in need. Um, um, very often I would come back, this goes on for the past 25 years, different organizational settings. I come home and I tell my husband, you know, can you imagine what happened? We voted, it was a unanimous vote. And then the director went ahead and did the exact opposite. Like, what are we, chopped liver? <laughs> or, or there's, you know, someone is pushing us to do something and we're not ready for it. And, and also the vote is against that person, you know, so my, like, I'm getting annoyed. And so my husband has this refrain, which is not a refrain, but it's very much on target. You're going to have to decide, Faggy, what's more important, the cause or, or the politics, who's running things or who, what, faux pas or major mistake was made. And this has really made me look into the mirror and I have stuck with it. I have stuck with it. Um, um, I have sometimes shared my, my exasperation, um, my note that this is not really following uh, professional best practices for nonprofits because <laughs> that, that, you, there's usually a formal setting. Don't ask me why I got involved in these structured places because I'm not by nature a, a super structured person, but I have become one. And I think structure helps and, and formal organization eventually does with roles and responsibilities does evolve and that's helpful. But back to, you have to be a team member unless you're doing something by yourself and then you'll get quickly burned out. Every group, especially those that form organically goes through stages. You learn psychology. I have a master's in management. Um, you know, we talk in management about group formation, forming, storming, like fighting around till you work out your modus vivendi and, and what your priorities are and how you're going to address them. No, that's norming. That's the next stage. Then you perform. Then you perform your your mission, which you set out to accomplish. Sometimes you were, there's a journey or 
you know, you say this is not working out or we're not achieving what we're doing and, and it's over. But I will say a person who wants to help Klal Yisrael and is moved for, by a sense of family, a sense of responsibility for other Jews and being like Hashem and taking care will not give up. Um, um, even if, if some projects don't work out. Um, I was recently out of town in Chicago where an organization was celebrating a hundred years of leadership in the, and accomplishment for the Jewish community um, in Chicago. And the woman I stayed with said, look at this Redditon. When some of her projects don't work out, she doesn't stop. She moves on because it's about community need. And that's why I think also um, 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 davening is so important. Um, um, feeling connected to the Rabbi Shalom who's going to help you or is, or is not going to help with this particular initiative. Um, um, sometimes the obvious siyata dishmaya is there and sometimes you have to say, if if it's not going to work out this way, we know we're in it. L'shem Shemayim Hashem will show us the way, a different way. And I vividly recall one of our board members at Rachel's place saying this at a time when New York City's agency that funded our core activities was dominated by by a very LGBTQ focused approach that was current, that was in, and they didn't, you know, the next group of, 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 of shelters that were to be funded had to be fit that special needs population. And obviously that was not our brand that we were serving. And it got really, really serious. The, the director of that division was LGBTQ herself and, and the things that were coming out of that city agency were very disturbing and we were very, very worried. Um, we, we, you know, the money that we raised from the productions and from other things are just pay for the Jewish pieces that the government cannot pay for or Yontif or whatever, Shabbos clothes. So I remember one of the board members saying, the bottom line, if they decide to defund us, because we are not LGBTQ focused, Hashem will find another way to help us get this done and provide shelter for these girls because sure. no one else is doing that. Sure. That tremendous faith that even though there was going to be this big obstacle, Hashem helped us till now. Um, Hashem will continue to help us. And Baruch Hashem, you know, they didn't have time and money to spend on a whole new application process and they just refunded the old programs. And of course, since we are a star program and they bring in the state people and the feds to, to, to show us off, to show that they are doing well with the money that comes down to them, which they in turn pass some of it to us. So we're a star program. We make them look good. So they they have not given us any trouble. But that absolute faith that Hashem will help because 
we're doing it for his children, and we mean it l'shem shamayim, and and so. So I will say, you talked about like the self-actualization piece. I want to spend a little more time about because we're running toward the end. Like I said before, it doesn't necessarily begin with passion. It begin. I think it should begin with an achray. It's a sense of being part of Klal Yisrael and feeling like one family. But once you get involved, you become dedicated and focused and impassioned. You get better and better because you're putting all your skills to work and your skills get better. Your skills become developed and enhanced. Um, um, you become a better speaker, writer, grant writer, advocate. And then, then you can help more people because People ask you, uh, I catch, you know, I knew about it. They asked me to get a board member for them. I told them to get in touch with my neighbor. Um, who I thought would be interested in this. And there were some show up, help us write the ad, and then come down to a meeting. This is not my issue, but I'll help. I'll come for 45 minutes. I'll come to a meeting and something tactless came out of it. And I gave some suggestions and put together a marketing plan, etc. I One can use one's um, one's skills and one's experience as a force multiplier to help other groups. Not everybody's going to offer, ask you, but you can offer. Doesn't mean you have to, you have to be committed, but, but here's what we learned. That's what technical assistance to use the professional parlance is all about. So, so, you become more skilled and developed and creative because you care about something and you really want to do it right and you do your homework and you ask people who are in the know, besides your das Torah for if you have dilemmas and questions, but you ask people who've done it before and do it well. Um, and people who are L'Shem Shemayim will gladly share their contacts, what they've learned, how to do it, call this one, do it this way, don't do it that way. This one failed, You don't try a second time, you're not gonna get it, whatever. Um, you get it the first round. So so the uh, you become better at what you do and you can help even more people, even if it's not in a formal defined role. That's beautiful and I love it. I really love your emphasis on the reason people want should get involved. Not for the fame, not for the publicity of themselves, but because they have the that achrayis, that responsibility to take care of their fellow members of Klag Yisrael, their fellow Jews. And it's really, really important because there are fellow Jews out there who need help, who don't know what to do or how to do, how to defend themselves, how to how to um advocate for themselves, and they need the help of other Jews who know how to do those things, who can help them, who can lend them a hand, who can point them into the right direction, who can provide them with the resources, whether it's a doctor to talk to or a psychologist or money or food or clothes or whatever it is that they put, that they are in need of, there's always somebody else who can help to fill that need. And I think, and that's the reason that people get involved in these causes. And that's the main reason, not for, like you said, not to look good on a resume. <laughs> but there, are other, there are other advantages. Once children see, see chesed modeled, see yes. values modeled. And if you bring home a story or two or a person yes. or two or three or four who are involved, they see that it's not taking away from them. They see yes. going the extra mile and, and they see the growth. Uh, they also see you become more creative. A hundred percent. It's 
not in a self-expression art kind of way, but in, in creating solutions and becoming um, agents for accomplishment and success. There's one thing that I'm going to bring up that troubles me a little bit, and that is that sometimes people forget a historical focus that, you know, in their effort to, to fix our system, which could use some tinkering, you know, we've, over the years, we have developed the sense that education is not one size fits all. There are different parts of the community that need help. Trauma and abuse are an issue. Special needs needs help. And, and, and to be, and, and minyanim and different things that are going on in the community need to be inclusive and so on and so forth. But sometimes people, well-meaning people are, lose a sense of perspective. In they want to fix the community, the community systems. The system is not against anybody. The system did, is not responsible for for problems in your life or on your block or in your family. A, B, the system was created, so to speak, from nothing. The system was basically there were a couple of my, my parents, Alaya Mashalam, were were not Holocaust survivors. Their families came in the 20s. They are, my families are here for just about a decade. I mean, a, 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 a centenary. Um, a hundred years. years. Mm -hmm. So so the Holocaust survivors who came in the late 40s and began to work at rebuilding not only their own families, but their communities, building institutions, whether it's Bikacholims, whether it's, it's, local chapters or shuls or yeshivas or basically or, or girls schools whatever it is they could have stayed home they could have stayed home and just stroked their kids because they had no sisters and brothers they were left bereft they could have brooded about the past instead they went out worked very hard to make a living raised families and built community that the renaissance of torah that that we see the that began before the change of the millennium that was built by holocaust survivors on a pre-existing shallow foundation what we see in in the since the turn of the century is efforts to fix the from system the from system though can use some fixing. We've been responding to what research tells us about learning and about certain niche populations and needs. But let us understand that the system was created, the infrastructure which supports our Jewish living was created by survivors who could have complained and could have been sad, but took steps forward because they felt like one family. I love that. And that's so important to point out. You could either give into your misery and grief and curl up like a ball, you know, in your bed, or you could get up and do something about it. Or you could see others who are going through something similar that you're going through and maybe bond together and to to meet both of your needs and needs of your families. I think it's very, very empowering when you can get up and you can do something to either help yourself or to help your friends or even the greater community around you, as opposed to just kind of giving up and giving into Ugh, feelings of depression and sadness and victimization. And they didn't have social media. They didn't right? have an education. They spoke yeah. a broken English. Yeah. They 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 were not aware of their political rights. Yeah. They did not have degrees. <laughs> they they were not 
taught about empowerment as women or as Jews or as being equal citizens in a diverse community. They were just happy. They got papers to come to America yes. and worked at whatever job, some contact, some family members, uncles, cousins, brother yep. was able to secure for them and move from there. They didn't expect anything from anybody, but they wanted, they took care of themselves and they moved forward to take care of the community and rebuild. Amazing. A hundred percent. So that generational shift to, sometimes comes without knowledge of recent Jewish history. And I think it behooves those who are seeking to get involved and to find a match between their time and values and commitments with what's out there should keep in mind the greater historical um, context and not do it out of a sense of negativity, but I, but there's need, I'm a Yid, I'm, I'll help out and I'll give it my all, even if I don't always agree with what the group decides, you know? Beautiful and good point. Also, I know we're like we're really, really running out of time. I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you can give a quick answer. Um, so because I really enjoy, I do enjoy hearing personal stories from our guests about how the topic we're talking about relates directly to their lives. And I know that you did also give some um, personal examples, but maybe you know I'm so inspired by you and all that you have done. I want to see if maybe you have some other stories or two that illustrate the rewards that you have seen through your hard work and perseverance for something that you really believe in. I, I don't think it's about hard work and perseverance for something I believe in. I think it's about putting my shoulder to the cause of Jewish need and Klai Yisrael wherever it is. So it's not about me. It's not about my hard work. It's about doing what I can. And we have seen bracha. We have seen bracha. And I have had some personal nachas sometimes from some individual situations. When I was working at Turo, for example, um, I was waiting to have a meeting in the, uh, you know, the offices of the dean and something came up and there was a girl waiting to see the assistant dean. And she, I was, must've been talking to the secretary or something. And she pipes up and says her opinion. And I look at her and she looks familiar. She's young, very put together, you know, boots, uh, pencil skirt, a cute top, and a, a nice bag. And it's irking me. I went into my meeting. She went into her meeting. The next morning it hits me. That was one of the Rachel's Lee's girls that came to my house for Shabbos. She's oh, obviously God. married. Um, she was wearing a shaito and a ring. She went on to build a life and to feel empowered instead of feeling like a victim because she had parents who couldn't take care of her. Amazing. We don't get, you know, the rank and file board members don't particularly get involved with individual girls. But because I was there from the get-go and sometimes they needed to get away for Shabbos, I would get calls, whatever. I had girls stay in my house on occasion. Um, short-term, a Shabbos, somebody was waiting for a bed there, whatever the case was. That's a nachas. On the other hand, I was with a large organization and I helped put together the building blocks of a massive kosher food pantry system. They ultimately pushed me, the leadership pushed me out because they were afraid I would uncover something. They went on to jail eventually, a couple years later. I could have been bitter. I was the best thing since sliced bread. I had, I was the highest paid woman there. Um, I was 
doing new initiatives and creating programs very successfully and a great communicator. And they told me, and all of a sudden they were pushing me out. And, but nonetheless, I knew Hashem had a plan. And later on, the woman who, who came, they, they didn't replace me because that took three people, but um, somebody who got involved in the leadership of that kosher food pantry network came on board. Then she was hired by the OU to create connections between local Jewish communities and food resources so they could help poor Jews, not just for, for you know, Hanukkah and Pesach or Rosh Hashanah, but help um, Jewish hunger. So while I didn't stay at that organization, I could have a bad feeling. That's a kind of nachas. So it's about being a soldier in Hashem's army. The, the, the nachas that one sees is a bonus. We're all private soldiers in Hashem's army. We don't get individual assignments, you know, that are customized for us. And we don't take our role. We kind of see where we're needed. Sometimes it's giving a kidney. Sometimes it's giving money. Sometimes it's learning with somebody who doesn't have Jewish education in their in their resume. Um, sometimes it's tutoring a kid from, from a single parent home or volunteering our connections for an organization and, and working with them. Um, whether we're at the front lines or we're privates in the in the in the foot soldier divisions, we can all do something. And it's not necessarily if we get nachas, matovu nice, but it's 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 the score in Shamayim that ultimately will give us the most nachas. Beautiful. Very, very well said. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robertson Feige, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Robertsons. We very much enjoyed having you here. And we hope that all the learning we did today will be for Fuh Shlema, for Yirmiyahu, Ben Yvet, Bracha, Bas Yohavet, Kiryat, Batsara. Thank you. Fuh Shlema, and thank you for the opportunity, Vera, and Afrelika Hanukkah. Thank you, too. Thank you.